When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Movies That Made Me, with your hosts, Josh Olson and Joe Dante. Are we allowed? Tell me, I'll cut this if you want me to, but um, uh, right in the background, there's, there's, as far as I'm concerned, and I know a lot of people feel this way, actually, never a big Scooby-Doo fan. And, um, oh, I wasn't, I, I wasn't. Oh, okay, are you allowed to say that? Okay, but uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, our guest is, uh, we might as well just do it, uh, Mitch, Mitch Watson, who's a great uh, writer, showrunner, has done a ton of stuff in animation, started at Duckman, um, is responsible for the one good, I would argue, uh, iteration of Scooby-Doo, the recent, um, that's not recent though, is it? Mystery Incorporated, it's not recent. 2013, 10 years old or so Scooby-Doo yeah. Mystery Incorporated. It's comparatively recent. Comparatively, indeed. Comparatively recent. Uh, in which, um, uh, among other things, he turned my friend Harlan Ellison into a cartoon and implied that he might be um, related to Velma. <laughs> yes, we did actually. There was something we slipped in. That he had slept with Velma's mom. Uh, oh, I've tried to be subtle. I was trying to be subtle because Mitch is also, uh, he's, he's probably, if you don't know the name, Mitch is probably more responsible for how your kids turn out than you are. Um, mm-hmm. Showing around All Hail King Julian uh, and currently Big Nate, which is on um, for you, on Netflix, right? Paramount Plus. Oh, Paramount, Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus. Um, and also, did they be aware of the Batman TV show? And Mitch is just like an uh, all around animation god. Um, That's so sweet and, of you. By the yes. way, uh, Mr. Dante, if I can call you that, um, <laughs> these are probably the nicest things Josh has ever said to me because uh, we've known each other for quite some time and, and generally nothing but, but insults and other things like that. So, so I appreciate it. Oh, you've you've uh, ruined the illusion. Next, you're going to tell them that you showed me your <laughs> list and then that's all. Um, I, oh, you're not supposed to know this? Yeah. Yeah, we try to make it spontaneous. You know, I think the cat's out you of the bag by now. I've, I've been noticing, though, lately, we say the same thing to all the guests, but more and more lately, I've been, haven't you, Joe, where guests are like, not only do they let it out of the bag immediately, but they expect me to read the list to them. That is true. That has been a, a current phenomenon, but uh, hopefully um, we won't have to do it today. Yeah, I don't expect anything from, from you, Joe. Uh, good. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I've, I've known Mitch for a very long time um, and I've been a fan of his work for a very long time. And, and I, you, well, thank you. And I, thank you. you, I'm going to put that out there. Wonderful. And I, you, even before your great success with, uh, what was that little thing you did with David Cronenberg? Uh, on the border. I forget about it. That's, <laughs> that's right. On the and border. then I've, I yeah. assume you're familiar. I know not a lot of people uh, are as familiar with my co-host's work as mine, but um, I, you've you've uh, okay. you, you are familiar with Joe Dante, I assume. 
I am. And in fact, uh, and again, we don't have to talk about the list, but one of the movies is on, is one of Mr. Dante's movies is on my list. Yes. Do that. <laughs> well, the, wait a minute, Joe, do you, do you I, think I really thought he didn't know who you were? That- no, but there have been, a, a, there, there was a recent occasion where the, the person who came on uh, was unaware that I was going to be on the call. Oh, that was, no, no, they didn't. That's, yeah, we had, who was it? It was wonderful. Somebody, somebody recently came on and they went, wait a minute, are you the Joe Dante? <laughs> I just thought I was, I was one of those other Joe Dantes, of, yep. of whom there are obviously many in the phone book. Here's the thing. No, some and- of our guests, some of our guests are, um, you know, just me going, shit, we need someone. And I run through my phone book and I find out who's like basically got nothing better to do. And then or others. Who hasn't been on recently. Who hasn't been on recently. <laughs> uh, but oh, some of them, we, we, we come, we've got sort of relationships now with these PR companies and people come to us and we send, there's so much back and forth. And I try so very hard to make sure people understand what they're walking into because you don't want them to think, you know, that we're like, I mean, I don't want to bad mouth. Do we have competition, Joe? Is there is there competition in this field? But not not in our field, but there is competition. Uh, what guess. we don't want them to do is we don't want them to expect that they're you know, supposed to spout a whole lot of uh, you know uh, history and uh, yeah, also, and, that we're a bunch of like you know movie nerds who are going to want to know what their favorite Marvel movie is and you know ask them questions about what they're. I mean, we're like you want them to know they're walking into a room where people actually eh, maybe done what they've done. And, and it's funny. And sometimes that simply doesn't get through. And then every now and then you get someone who's sitting there going, wait, wait a minute. You got, what? Who are you guys? <laughs> Who are you guys? I, I, hold on for a second. Uh, actually, I was going to bring, this is, this has nothing to do with my list. Okay. But well, we'll cut it. We, so the, the, we watched a movie, Mr. Dante, we watched a movie of yours. How long ago was it, John? It was Hollywood. What was it? It was one of your first oh, Hollywood Boulevard. Second movie. Yes. Hollywood Boulevard. And there's a really interesting moment in it where you're going down, I think, old Santa Monica Boulevard the way that you used to it. And in the background is a, uh, a storefront that says the Institute of the Oral Institute Love. The Institute of Oral Love and the sexual <laughs> you, cafeteria. Okay, they were, you know, they were right near you, each other. Did you know anything about those places? Because I do. Yes, of course. Yeah. So did you know the guy who ran those? I didn't know who ran them, but I knew that the Institute of Oral Love, you go in and, and they tell you stuff. And okay, Wait, so that was real? Was, oh, absolutely. Yeah, oh yeah. So it's a great story because, uh, and I only know it because I've been working on a project with a friend of mine about the guy who, who created it. So the guy who created the Institute of Oral Love had been a CHP officer. Um, his name was Big Mac McKenna. And he became one of the biggest drug dealers in Los Angeles. At one point. He was a former... CHP officer, and he's sort of, he created um, kind of the modern day strip club, really. He was the one who sort of like pushed it into the forefront and stuff like that. But his first venture into that was the Institute of Oral Love. That was his, that was his big thing. Because, and it was literally what it sounds like, a place you would just go to get a blowjob. And he thought that that was totally fine, <laughs> totally fine. He was this huge dude. He was like six, eight. He was a bodybuilder. He was a monster. Really interesting guy. And when we saw that, I remember when we saw that movie, I saw that and I was like, oh my God, that's it. Because that's the only record I've ever been able to find it anywhere. Because we did a lot of bunch of research and that was the only time any picture I'd ever seen of it was in that movie. Yeah, we have a, we have a so, lot of uh, historical stuff in that movie. I remember one thing we cut out was a, uh, a store that was advertising edible urinal cakes. What? But why? I guess because if you... your kids are going to crawl around and eat urinal cakes, at least you can eat these. Okay. 
all right, I guess so. Uh, I've um, learned so much okay. today already. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. When you have Mr. Dante, do you have children? That I don't no, know. No. No, you don't. Okay. So, I mean, that. Not that I know of. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, when Josh first talked to me about doing this, I was, and because he knows that's predominantly what I do is work in, in kids animation. Yeah, kids animation. Um, kids. This man works with children. Just keep that in mind. Oh, <laughs> so, you, so you're a groomer. <laughs> don't even, I'm not, not going to touch that with a 10 foot pole. Not going to go there. Uh, God only knows somebody I work with sees it. Anyways, um, but uh, the funny thing was is when I was trying. So the the idea being like, what are movies that I saw as a kid that dramatically affect me as a person, and and I think can screw you it up. Warped was the word you used. Yes, warped warped me as a child. Um, and the funny thing is, is actually now now that i i have two kids and i try to find things to watch for them but i screen them again beforehand and i remember distinctly and i'm not just saying this to to because you happen to be on this uh is gremlins was a big movie for me when i was a kid and was my basically my gateway drug into my love of horror movies which is really my first love um and everything and i and i had thought about watching it with my kids and i just recently because it was on it was on my list, which I will not mention, but uh, the, the list that we're going to talk about today. And I really interestingly, we watched it. I was like, Jesus Christ! Because <laughs> so, because I work in that field at the moment, I don't know how you got away with the things that are in that movie. I mean, it's PG thirteen, if I recall, is no, no, it was PG a PG, and, and it helped create. Oh, what? PG-13. that's right. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yes, I knew there was a connection. I apologize. It's just because it's got it's. I mean, it's great and oddly, and it holds up actually. Um, <laughs> But there's like, there's everything in that movie. There's stabbings, there's shootings, there's <laughs> characters being dissolved. There's, you know, there's fucking, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, the lead actor. Phoebe Cates. There's Phoebe Cates having a model, talking about suicide and how she thinks about suicide <laughs> at Christmas time. <laughs> you know, when you work in children's animation, they give you, you, know, you get material all the time of things you're not allowed to do and, or not even allowed to touch upon. And basically, they're all outlined in that movie. Well, like every one of the things that we're not supposed to do is pretty much represented. I would say, first movie. of all, for our, for our listeners, because obviously they're only listening, uh, uh, Joe uh, is rocking back and forth and laughing maniacally at all this. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, when I, I wasn't I, a children's when, film, was the. I mean, no, it wasn't intended as a children's film, but obviously the, the studio would like it if lots of people come and bring right. it in. It was also advertised as if it was ET too, exactly. uh, and and so when when, when parents that. brought their kids in and discovered it wasn't only a, f- a cuddly furry thing that lasted through the whole movie, which was Spielberg's idea, by the way, uh, they got thick, uh, they got very upset when the Grumman started blowing their nose on the curtains. But you know, speaking of, of the stuff you're not supposed to do, uh, later when I was working on a series called Erie, Indiana. Uh, it was for a network, and it was uh, it was on uh, before eight o'clock. And there was a whole strict list of things mm-hmm. that the kids were not allowed to do, include backing the car out of the driveway, or yeah. any any kind of plot that you wanted to get them interested in doing. Uh, it had to go through reams of like these psychiatrists, these child psychiatrists, yeah. who would just tell you, no, no, you can't do that because it, it's sort of that, that old bromide about the the weapon and the and the victim in the same frame. You know, which well, it's it's also too the other interesting thing I find is it, it's gone everything's gone backward. Um, you know, years and many many years ago, I was asked to try to adapt um, Super Chicken, 
that so so they got a hold of a bunch of the old super chicken things from like the 70s and i watched them all and literally within the first five minutes again guns people being set on fire all just kind of things and it's just gone back it's gotten now to the point where you can almost do i mean it's very difficult to do anything everything is so sedate but i i think I, you know, Mitch, I'm, I'm with you man it sucks that you can't have guns and cigarettes in uh, kids cartoons anymore because it's cigarettes and guns i get it. i mean look we ran into when we were doing batman um at warner brothers literally i think two months no six months or so before the show came out um was when that nut went into the uh dressed as the joker into the theater and killed a bunch of people and we had guns they were gonna they were letting us use guns in that show we had to go back and reanimate everything pretty much and um so yeah no guns are guns cigarettes you're never gonna get that. and yeah but and it, yeah the now when they run the old warner brothers cartoons on me tv in the morning oh yeah they are virtually uncut I mean, they're not, they're not the network versions because when they put them on the network, they had to actually reanimate half the jokes because they mm -hmm. said, oh, you can't, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a gun. You've got to turn that into a, oh, really? a, a carrot. Yeah. Uh, and they, they would go do it. And, and, and uh, but, but these are the, these, the, the cartoons they're running are actually the originals and they're just as great as they ever were. And oh, yeah. they're not causing children to go out and buy their own dynamite. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah, doesn't no, exactly. happen. That we know. <laughs> the interesting thing I think is that when I was a kid growing up, um, in terms of cartoons, they only had cartoons on you know Saturday morning, sometimes Sunday. So that was it. So whatever else I was going to watch during the week wasn't going to be a cartoon. So I got I was heavily influenced by mainly horror movies for whatever reason. It was always going to be it was a lot of horror movies, and 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 Monty Python, and that had a direct reflection on essentially the way I grew up and wrote and this type of stuff that I wrote. And it's interesting to me now that. My kids don't have to do that. They can at any time of day. They just come home and click on Netflix or whatever, and there's a boatload of things that they can watch exactly right. what they want. And I'm curious to see, you know, artistically or whatever, how that's going to influence them because they're not getting that sort of, you know, melange of different influences. They're basically just being influenced by what they like, you know. And whereas when we were kids, we had to watch whatever happened to be on. We took what we yeah. could get. We took what we could get, and it and it had an influence, and I think it it caused some really interesting things. So. Anyway, well, let's do it, man. Let's talk about go. some of those. You want to? Uh, by right, the way, so, Joe, please give him permission to call you Joe. It's making me really. Okay, I will. I was just trying to show some respect. Okay, Josh. He's not going to do. He, I, he what, so I, I think to, Joe likes it. Never to, mind. To, to Mr. Dante. I'll, I'll start doing it. I'll admire. start doing it myself. I didn't, right. I didn't realize he liked it. Um, I mean, I have a, my list is you know there's a bunch obviously the horror stuff on it. The first one though I, that I wanted to talk about, which just fucked me up. Um, for a couple of different reasons, was uh, a, a show called a movie called Santa Claus Conquers the Martians, <laughs> and I don't even I don't even remember I don't know what year it was even from. It was I think it was even maybe, maybe before I was born, but I think it's from the sixties, like very early sixties. Uh, he is Adora's first movie. That's right. He is Adora's first movie, and um, first off, and again, so I rewatched it again. It's uh, first off, it's just a ridiculously weird movie, and. The gateway drug for me for that movie was the actual theme song, which was this weird trumpet solo. It was like, hooray for Santa Claus, da 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 And I learned it, I used to play trumpet. I learned it on my trumpet. And because of that, the movie stuck in my head. But if you, if you watch it again, what, what messed me up about that movie was, first off, you have Martian children who all they want to do is watch TV. So that's, that's it. That's all they're into, including Pia Zadora. 
Then they come down and they're going to steal Santa Claus. And at that time, I thought Santa Claus was real. I didn't understand why aliens would want to steal Santa Claus and come. And I also didn't understand why the main, one of the main Martians was this character named Droppo, who was this sort of fat, like half dim-witted Martian who they suddenly put in charge of, of capturing Santa Claus. So a lot of that movie, I remember distinctly, kept me from sleeping because I just thought, why would the Martians want Santa Claus? Why would they want to go down there? And why is that fucking theme song in my head? And it won't go away. Um, so anyway, that was my... I don't remember. Uh, what was, was their motivation? Don't, how can you not remember that movie? No, I remember the film. I just don't remember their motivation. The Martians? Remember, Joe, why they won? Well, the, mar the motivations were the, the kids on Mars only watched uh, American television. And they were becoming... They thought that they were... And they were getting depressed. I'll do it. So the Martians decided that they were going to steal Santa and bring him to Mars for the children because the children were obsessed with Santa because of, I think, because of TV. Uh, and that, that was it. You know, if you're going to invade a planet, you might as well steal one of its main, you know, mascot, Coca-Cola's main mascot. So I, I feel like wasn't, wasn't that in one of those, I, I, there, there were a few of them I get mixed up. Wasn't that in one of the Medved books, Joe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, like, it's, a, it's a pretty bad movie. And it's a, oh, it's a, yeah. it's a very low budget independent picture which yeah. was made i i guess they were sincere about it which is you know i guess why it's why it's why it's still watchable but it's on youtube i'm sure oh i'm sure yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. but it is just one of those ones when it's, it's marketed as a kids movie and it is got all kinds of weird stuff in it that is just not right for kids <laughs> but, you know in my opinion um all right and then there's sort of the other one the one another one of these was, and this is not a kid's movie, but for whatever reason I saw it when I was very young, was Harold and Maude. Now, yeah, I did. I, I probably saw it on video, but whatever. I loved it. And I like loved define it young. How, how young were you? Child? Six, maybe six. Six or seven. You were, were you a suicidal? Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, but that was what I was, I found it. He was after. You gotta, I don't know if, uh, if Josh told you. I grew up, my dad was a, uh, cameraman at a place called KTLA, Channel 5 mm -hmm. in Los Angeles. And so I grew up going to visit the set of, and he asked me, Josh, I was talking to him about uh, Witchfinder General. He's like, you couldn't have seen Witchfinder General. And I said, I didn't when it came out, but there was a guy who did their horror movie matinee show named Seymour. Um, and Seymour showed it on his show when I was down there one day and he gave me a sign <laughs> copy of the conqueror worms oh my god um and so that was how i ended it's up all becoming that, clear that thing. yeah it's all becoming clear but uh um, oh, wait so harold and maude i mean how how would you i guess there's some harold and maude i was just i i i found i love the character of harold because i think i there was a weird part of me that identified with it but from from that point forward that began that and gremlins and a few other things began my obsession with horror movies and specifically tom savini oddly enough uh, who I was obsessed with as a kid and bought his books. And I wanted to be an actual makeup guy at one point. I was really, really got into it. But the best I could do was fuck around with mortician's wax. I never got into anything else besides that. But um, but yeah, so I I did that kind of, I did, I'll tell you what I did do that terrified my mother, which was I did do the arm thing. Uh, you remember we tried oh, yeah, to cut off his arm, his arm yeah. like that with an axe? Did that terrify my mom? 
I tried to figure out how to do the part where he puts the sheet over his head and sets himself on fire. Did that. Um, and then years later, do you remember the old man, the guy who, um, uh, the, the general he goes to see that only has the one yeah. arm that sort of goes up and down like that, who was a great old character actor? Many, many, many years later, my grandmother lived at a place in uh, Van Nuys called Forsyth's Magnolia Estate. Horsehead's Magnolia States had a lot of old time celebrities there. And he was one of the celebrities who lived there. And I got to, I got to know him a little bit before he passed away because uh, he lived next to my sister and he watched porn a lot. That's how I found out. That's from my sister. Very nice man. But, uh, hey, what, but we what, talked what's about his it. name? Charles Tyner, wasn't it? What is it? Charles Tyner. Was, it might be. Hold on. Uh, I got to look that up. Uh, he was around. He actually got his start from, believe it or not, Paul Newman is what he told me. Yeah, Charles Steiner. Nice. Charles Steiner. So he uh, he was this guy. So he had told me stories. He told me stories about Harold Lamont. And he didn't know what he was doing. I mean, he, he again, he thought it was just this oddball thing that nobody was going to see. And, uh, but he, he recounted the stories that he told, but he just he loved it. He thought it was weird. Although he did think, what's it, the guy to leave, but court was a little odd, but so um, that was just uh, a, it's a fair cop. Yeah. <laughs> I, think that's a, I think that's, I think it's probably fair to say, but anyway, so yeah, Harold and Maude, Harold and Maude, big one. I mean, oddly enough, a lot of Hal, a lot, I love a lot of Hal Ashby's movies and, and that that's probably the main one that I, that I always look to as a, as a major influence on me. And also, but it's, but it's a movie again, I wouldn't show that movie to a kid. No, I would not show that movie to but a I, child. I would show it to a teenager. I, Teenager, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. but not a child, no. you know, and, and the love affair with the older lady and everything like that. It's just, it's just amazing to me. Again, a movie that probably would never, ever get made. Um, but here's one that I bet you don't remember has anything remotely offensive, remotely messed up in it, but it does. Ace Ventura Pentagon. So, okay, so now you go, what? Ace Ventura Pentagon? Oh, I'm sure it's but full how, of disgusting. How well do you remember Ace Ventura Pentagon? <laughs> Well, yeah, it was Jim Carrey. It was very. Uh, it was Jim Carrey. It was very okay, and so this is how. So I'd seen that movie as a kid and remembered as a kid. And when you have kids yourself, oh, no. you're always looking for movies <laughs> to show your kids that you love as a kid. And so I remembered Ace Ventura. I said, "I'm so I'm, I'm going to show my kids Ace Ventura." You did that without I thought okay without vetting it. I did without vetting it, which was stupid. The uh, yeah, um, I know so, exactly what scene we're going to talk so about. Yeah, yeah, three quarters of the movie is perfectly fine, but then when they get to the thing at the end. Uh, with um, oh god, what's the actress's name? I can't. Why can't I remember her name? Um, who's in Stripes and Blade Runner and Joanna Cassidy? No, not Joanna Cassidy. The lead in Blade Runner, female lead, female lead replica. Sean Young. Sean Young. Thank you. When you get to the part of who Sean Young actually is, that she's a transsexual, and that when they unveil her at the very end, and she has. Her penis pulled back in her underpants, trying to explain that to a seven and a nine-year-old is unfathomably difficult. And I had no, I don't know whether I blocked that out of my memory or what, but they kept saying, what's she got in her, in her underpants? And we kept saying, it's a, it's a brush. Maybe it's a brush, hair comb. But um, I think that one's subliminally messed me up. I don't know that that one I can actually, I don't count that one as part of the 10 because- Oh, I'll sneak one in I there. Don't know that, I stuck one in there because I don't know that that one actually affected me because I or I just blocked that sucker out. 
But, um, you know, another Hal Ashby movie that, that I, I remember screwed me up and got me in trouble on the playground was Shampoo. Once again, not a kid's movie. <laughs> Why were you watching a, that? Okay, so Shampoo, what happened was <laughs> my parents... Dropped uh, you off. <laughs> no, they didn't drop me off. They couldn't, I think they couldn't get a babysitter or something, and I ended up seeing Shampoo with them. Those are my parents. You know, this was, what, the mid-70s yeah. or something like that? This was, you know. So um, I didn't know what the word orgasm meant at that point. So I thought orgasm was the same as organism. So when I went to school then in elementary school, I began telling all my friends about this movie that I saw. And it was all about organisms and all these organisms and da 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 and blah, 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 blah. I'm not, I'm actually, I'm not making this up. Um, and one of the kids goes to her teacher and says, with the teacher and said, but they're just talking about organisms and naked people. And it doesn't make any sense. And they were all super confused. And then it was explained to me that it's not organism, it's orgasm, which I didn't know what that meant. And then it forced the teacher to then have a sit down with my parents and have to explain to them that she felt super uncomfortable having to tell all these other children what that meant mm. when, you know, it was, we were years away from finding that out. So, mm. um, I do believe that that had a direct effect on me. Uh, I think it's apparent. Yeah. <laughs> I remembered it from this many years later. Um, let's see what other ones. All right, here's another thing. And, and it goes, Josh, I, this is just for you. Swashbuckler. Okay. So Swashbuckler, great, which I still love to this day. I mean, it's got Robert Shaw. I think he's 56 or something like that when he made that movie. It's a fun movie. And, it's a great, I love it. It's a great movie. It's, but it's got two things to avoid for kids, in my opinion. First off, the simpler one is um, Jeffrey, is it Jeffrey Rush? No, His name's way before Jeffrey. No, it's um, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Holder. Jeffrey Holder. Jeffrey Holder. Jeffrey Holder. Jeffrey Holder, yeah. So Jeffrey Holder's character in that thing is this dude who's a knife expert. He walks around with knives all over his body. Super cool. Um, that coupled with... Um, Robert Conrad in the Wild Wild West TV series made me obsessed with, with clothing that was something else. Oh, that you could hide so weapons could, in, you mean? So that you could hide weapons in. Right, you know, yeah. West, had, West had the shoe and right. stuff like that. So I built a, this is a terrible story. I'm going to tell it anyways. So I built, I built an outfit for myself with knives, you know, that I could have. Like right, and just, just please, blah, 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 blah. for how old are you now in this story? It, it involves my sister, and I think she was pretty young. So she was probably, I was probably eight, maybe. Okay. All right. Eight, so, like eight that. year old kid walking around with an outfit full of knives. Well, full I'm of, not walking full around. Full of knives. Yeah. yeah very industrious. Yeah. Not, not in public. I mean, I lived out in the sticks. So, it wasn't like, I think you could do that back then. We all had BB guns. It was a different time, you know, much more violent. It was a lot like, it was very road warrior out in Ventura County, where I grew up. <laughs> um, so, anyways. So I had this thing that I built for myself and I don't remember if I stitched it or what I did. I, my mom had no idea that I was doing this and I put steak knives and whatnot and walking around, you know. And this wasn't that weird to me because if you see a, you saw a movie like Goonies or something like that, they had the kid who was building stuff in it. I, I, Gremlins had the, the inventor in it. So, it, you know, it was in the, it was in the world. <laughs> the problem was that if you weren't watching, those knives would fall out. Um, uh, they, they could fall out or fall out. If you sat down, they could fall out. And what happened was in our back bedroom, I had been wearing it with my buddies 
And then I sat down in a chair or whatever, and then got up and didn't realize that one of the knives had fallen out into sort of the, the chair cushion. And about 15 minutes later, my sister came and sat down and it stabbed her in the back. So we ended up having to rush her to the hospital and um, she got stitches. She has the wound to this day. Uh, so she can actually say she has a stab wound. It didn't hit any major organs, thank God. Uh, but, uh, but so that, so that's the first thing. That's the first swashbuckler thing that I think is why you should avoid or should have been avoided as a child, even though it was a pirate movie. The second thing is, and I don't know if a lot of people remember this, the Peter Boyle character has this weird relationship with a little boy. You remember that? He has this weird little boy assassin kid who he hangs out with, who oh, wears no. like, he wears like, the kid wears razor blades on his fingers. Okay, so that's, that's odd enough. But there's a scene in the movie where I think Bo Bridges or somebody comes to see the kid. And he comes to see Peter Boyle, who's the, who I believe is the king. And Peter Boyle is in a bathtub naked with the little boy. And they're playing boats back and forth <laughs> and, and stuff like that. And they're just, and you're just, who is this kid? Why is he in a tub with, with Peter Boyle? And they're both naked and he's got razor blade fingers. <laughs> Again. I don't know how. I just think it's. I just think it. It messed me up. I think that's one of the. Things. You know, you can't tell from the poster that it's that offbeat. Yeah. You can't. It's a surprise. But you know what? It's. It is still. I mean, look at he's he's wearing Robert Shaw is wearing. Uh, it's an all velvet red suit cut down to the navel, and he's like six six. <laughs> So I think that they made that movie a couple of years. It's, it came after. It's Jaws, after Jaws. Yeah, it was that, that yeah, brief so period it was, where it was. It was. Um, yeah, he was a. He made, he made. He made Swashbuckler. I think there was one other. Then he dropped dead. I think on the set of the of the next movie. You think. Mm. Anyways, all right. Here's another one. Um, never ending story. Well, never ending story is reasonable just, is, film. <laughs> okay. Well. Never Any Story is defined as a children's film. To this day, people think of it as a children's mm -hmm. film. I defy you to watch that movie with a child and not have that child traumatized. 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 Seriously. Oh, my God. First off, it teaches children that if you don't want to be picked on by bullies, read a book. Right. You know what? That's great advice, but not in any sort of realistic sense. You're going to get your ass kicked. Uh, I, I can recommend a few books that you could give to a child as being bullied. Okay. But yes. Yeah. If they were like, you know, um, jiu-jitsu book, a jiu-jitsu yes. book, that's a book on small arms fire or something like 101 yeah. ways to kill a man with a fountain pen. That's it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but not a book about a flying luck dragon. That's yeah, that'll get you beat really up. The, that will get you beat up. Really the one, the part of that movie that I find very, very traumatizing, disturbing to this day. And if you talk to kids about the movie, they will, or adults about when they watch it, they will bring up the scene. The scene where they're going is the very end when um, Atreyu is with his horse Artax and he's pulling him through the mud, you know, and it's sorrow. And then the freaking horse dies. The horse dies in the mud. And it's just, it's awful and it's gut wrenching. And then the world is consumed by darkness and everything like that. And I just, I remember watching it to this day and just thinking, this is, this is awful. Why? They killed the horse. I mean, you just never killed the animal. But it's so, and I remember crying, and I remember other friends of mine crying, and it's just, so I, I, I caution anyone who thinks that going to watch that particular movie is good. That's a, because, that's a thing, uh, that's a staple, well, no, I wouldn't say a staple, but, you know, I mean, Bambi's mother certainly traumatized several generations. Yeah, I don't, dis, I discount all Disney, old I mean, Disney and... is like, okay, you go into a Disney movie, you know, 
whoever the mother figure is, they're going to be dead within the first 10 minutes. That's just the Disney archetype. That's the way. To this day, they still make the movie that way. Uh, but this one's weird because you get to know the horse. You, you know, you really like the horse. And then they kill the horse. And I just don't. I don't want to do that. I don't want. I don't want to see that. You know, and Mr. Dante is is rolling his eyes at me. Oh no! no I'm not. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, Elizabeth just came in, so I had to. Sorry. Had to I'm sorry. I thought acknowledge oh, it. I guess. <laughs> and now a word from our sponsor. I want to thank our sponsor, MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, because they're not only huge fans of our show, but they also feature many of the movies we discuss here, so you can easily find them to add to your collection. Sure, you can stream a lot of stuff these days, but when you buy your favorites, you own them. You watch what you want, when you want. And there's usually a ton of great content and bonus features like director commentaries, deleted scenes, and other goodies. Click the Movies Unlimited banner on the Trailers from Hell website. Buy your favorites from hard-to-find films, imports, and more. Go now to MoviesUnlimited.com, the movie collector's website, where shipping is always free on orders over $50. Movies, movies, movies. That's... You can't laugh, oh, Dorian. Yeah, I can't. They can't hear me. Hope you're on a separate. We're on separate tracks. I can do anything I want. Oh. <laughs> movies, movies, movies. Yes, that's what we're here for. That's what you're here for, and that's why we have this stupid podcast. Um, <laughs> Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or call she, the police. Or call the police, like she <laughs> should have, exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she... She knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Perfect. That's perfect. Now I'd like to segue into the sort of meat and potatoes of things that really fucked me up as a kid. And I've taken into the present. So yeah, a lot of what I do, kids, the kids animation stuff that I do is has varying different degrees of violence in it, probably more than they would normally, you know, let us do. And we push it to a certain extent. I happen to find, and this is because of two films, uh, Monty Python, The Holy Grail, and Videodrome, which were both heavily, well, Python hugely, because Python was the first time I ever saw something that sort of melded humor and violence at the same time in a really funny way, in my opinion. And from that, that day, and I saw that as a little kid on PBS. No, not on PBS. That was where I saw the TV shows on PBS. I don't remember where I saw Grail, but it was the first time I had ever seen sort of violence and humor mm. melded in such a way. And they did that a lot. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I just thought to this day, I think it's the funniest thing ever. I find nothing but fun. In, and that's the thing about kids and doing kids stuff too is, and what, which goes completely against what they tell you, which is that physical, great physical comedy, like Three Stooges, and 
stuff like that. Kids love that shit. And the reason oh, yeah. they love it is because it's universal, doesn't require dialogue, it's completely visual, so it works perfectly within the medium. And um, for some reason, there is a real push to sort of pull that away and take that out of a lot of, a lot of animation these days because they feel that it's mean or violent and blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I do feel, I, and I think I may have told you, I think I've told Joe about this. I remember as a kid, I used to play with the Pope brothers, uh, three, three brothers of descending or ascending age. Um, and they would watch the Three Stooges. I'll go there after school and uh, they would watch the Three Stooges on I think, Channel 48. And um, they would do to each other whatever the Stooges did to each other. Yeah. To the extent that there was often blood. <laughs> so, yep. I, mean, I, I, you know, I, I oppose yeah, I mean, censorship in all its forms. At the same time, I'm like, I've actually seen this stuff work. <laughs> I've seen it, kids it, kill each other. It, it does. You know, it, there's just something innate about it. I'm not, I'm not equivocating it to sort of like, you know, a school, uh, a fight on a, on a school grounds or something like that, which everybody, that's more lizard brain yes. final garbage. But I do think kids find it funny. And I do think, at least for me, that all came out of me watching both Monty Python and a lot of Cronenberg, but especially Videodrome, because I've always considered Videodrome a, a wonderful satire. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it pushed it. Even today, I, I haven't seen a whole lot of stuff that, to me, pushed it as far as Videodrome pushed it in terms of, you know, when he's massaging his chest and it turns into a vagina and he sticks his hand in there and out comes the fucking gun and kissing the television set and, and all of that crazy shit. So I, and, and I've always, and I've, I remember I've had deep discussions with people because they hate video. A lot of people hate video. They just don't get it. They don't like it. Um, a lot of people have their own feelings about what's his name. Who's the leader. James Woods. Um, James Woods. <clears throat> and, you know, because of his politics and stuff. A great I don't actor. care. He was um, a great actor. He was, yeah. He was. Look, yeah. I don't care. I'm not going to judge his video drama. Yeah. But, um, but it does have, it is, it is an amazing, I think it's an amazing satire. And, you know, I know you had, uh, what's his name on for his Don't Look Up on not too long ago. Adam. Adam McKay. Um, yeah. Adam McKay. And see, I think, and I liked, and I liked Don't Look Up, but to me, when I like a satire, it's, I look at Videodrome. I look at Videodrome and oddly enough, I look at, and this is, I think you and I disagree on this one, Josh, um, Starship Troopers. Oh, I love Starship Troopers. Uh, I happen to think Starship Troopers is also a, a wonderful satire on America's fascination with fascism. It is. War and yeah, it is. And, all that and it was intended it's to be. Yeah. But if you talk to people though, they will tell you it's not. They will, they will argue that. And I, I used to have the, an old laser disc of it and I listened to Verhoeven's commentary and the writer's commentary on it. And they flat out intended it to be a satire sure. yeah, yeah. on fascism, yeah. but nobody gets that. Oh, I nobody, don't get and they, plenty, but, but no, I think they there's don't. a lot of people who see it and don't get that for sure. Certainly when it came out. Or, or they don't, don't want to get it. it. Or they don't want yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I, I, had but, my, um, I had my own issues with it when I saw it before it came out. I don't know if you recall, but, um, uh, and the star of the film was um, uh, the, the, the star. I uh, the star of my first movie. And they were told he's going to be a huge star. He's in this Paul Verhoeven film. But then you go off and you see Starship Troopers, and no one was cast in that film because they were going to be great movie stars. They were cast because they. And who was that, who was the original guy that was supposed to get cast before that guy got? Cast? Oh, I don't know. You told me this is on the border. You're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Cast, cast, oh, I thought You told me that there was somebody really great they were going to cast. They, 
pass them over. Oh God, yeah, no, oh God, this is a whole long uh, deviation. Yeah, it was supposedly I guess it was Gabriel Byrne and Stephen Ray and Peter Medek. Yeah. Peter Medek was going to direct it, and did I ever tell you about this, Joe? And then I met him at a Masters of Horror dinner, and and uh, uh, I, was, I was so thrilled to meet him. He's a great director, and I told him that because like, something had happened. I don't know if the financing fell off or he went off to do something else. So I said, for a brief moment, you were attached to this thing of mine. He's like, oh, I remember that. That was a wonderful project. And I, I don't know why he ended up not directing it or what happened to Gabriel Burns. Hey, listen, right. I, was, I was attached to it for two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> were you? No, 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 to my movie, to my you were oh, not attached to On the Border, yeah. No, no, no to, uh, to Starship. Starship Troopers. Oh, really? Oh, were you really? Oh, wow. And with Gabriel Byrne, right? That's the hilarious thing. Uh, I, I have no idea. It was a, it, 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 it was a salary dispute with uh, Paul. And uh, they wanted to make him, I think, feel that they were going to make the movie anyway. Uh, you know, do it. So I worked that out for a couple of weeks, then he came back. Just so you know, personally, I think you would have done a much better job. No, I don't think so. <laughs> no, I don't know. I I'm fans of both of you. Um, so, but anyways, those so those two movies in particular, I think, Monty Python, The Holy Grail, and Videodrome, oddly enough, had huge. And you're a child huge, watching Videodrome. Is that what you're saying? So, well, see, this is the thing. I grew up in the '80s watching movies on video. Yeah. that was sort of my thing. And so, even though if I couldn't get into them in the movie theater, I you know that was when that was the time of, of movie rentals. So. And the movies that I like to watch, I you know, you know my obsession with David, uh, not David Kramer, um, John Carpenter. I mean, I, I just love up until, up until uh, the right after they live when I think something happened. But um, I loved, you know, I love John Carpenter. I love Cronenberg, uh, Mr. Dante, obviously. But these are all the movies I grew up with I, that I grew up watching, and they heavily influenced me. So if you watch, regardless of what cartoon I worked on. You know, it doesn't matter. People, is, even on Big Nate, which is not horror centric at all, at a certain point, there are people on the crew like, dude, are we just going to make a horror movie every week? Because we, there's so many different <laughs> horror tropes that I like to throw in, just because I find them very funny. And, and that all goes back to uh, those two movies that I mentioned. But um, what's another one that's really good? Oh, here's one that I bet you don't talk about a lot. Uh, Magic with Anthony Hopkins. Remember that? Never movie? come up. Yeah, on I don't show. think that's come up. Yeah. Is it never? Come, are you kidding me? It's never, no, come, never, up. never come up. Oh, really? Okay, so I don't know how much Josh told you, but in, in the many different lives that I've lived, uh, I was a magician as a kid. And uh, up until about the age of 19, um, performed at the Magic Castle. You made fun. knives fall out of clothing and things, right? Yeah, exactly. Obviously, it was, it was the beginning. <laughs> uh, so, so obviously, so Magic was going to be a movie I had to see with a puppet. You know, and I thought, because I thought it was about a magician. I didn't realize, I think, at first that that movie was about a fucking insane ventriloquist dummy and a man losing his mind and going slowly insane. That movie messed me up. You know, and again, I don't know if people would consider it a kid's movie, but you put a puppet on a poster and talk about and call it magic. Kids are going to be attracted to it. You know, it's like, you know, if you saw, if you remember, like, Lidsville, the old Sid and Marty Croft thing, you know. Lidsville was about a magician who, <laughs> the great thing about Lidsville is if you tried to pitch that today, it'd be insane. Yeah. You're like, yeah, no, it's a kid's show. And it's about uh, a magician who catches a kid backstage messing around with his stuff. So he pushes the kid into a giant hat. And then that kid falls down there. And he basically kidnaps the kid and makes him live in a world full of happy people. <laughs> Sold. 
Oh, absolutely. It's genius. 100%. That's, that is what they did, though. They did so I'm many genius. of those. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, eh, whatever. But it's, you know, and again, if you're not, if you don't, if you're not from that time, you don't remember those things. But those, those were messed up kid shows. But anyways, magic terrified me. Um, and, but it, it made me years later actually go out and buy a ventriloquist dummy off of Hollywood Boulevard. Um, a handmade ventriloquist dummy, which I used in, in many of the plays that I wrote. And, uh, and then I met the woman, I met a woman whose dad actually had made this particular puppet. And she told me all about how she grew up with these, like 30 of these things around her at all the times. And it gave her, like she literally, she's a casting agent now, it literally gives her like physical, like anxiety. The, the puppet and magic, you're saying. Not just the puppet, no, just magic, her puppets. puppets. Just her, her puppets. The same, the her same way. The same way Candace Bergen grew up. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Because yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, two brothers. In fact, I think I think her dad actually had had worked with uh, Bergen's father, Edgar Bergen, mm -hmm. um, at one point. But you should see uh, Dead of Night. The, yeah. the, the British movie from 1945, which has the ultimate uh, ventriloquist dummy story in it. Oh no, that I will. I don't think I've seen that. Oh God, I've got to see it. Josh, yep. movie night. We actually did it many years movie ago. Night. It was all these World War II movies. We, we did it. We did it. We did it years ago. We did do it? Oh, I didn't remember that one. All right. Now, so now here's one that actually is a kid's movie. And again, I cannot tell you enough because it's, it's around again because of Disney. Disney Plus. Uh, it's in their archives. Return to Oz. Oh, yeah. You guys seen Return to Oz? Love Return yeah. to Oz. There's yeah, nothing, nothing in there could possibly upset a child. The movie that ended the director's career. Did it really? Oh, it's the yeah, only I, movie Merch director. Yeah, Walter Merch. Walter Merch. Oh he's a brilliant sound designer. This is his chance. Uh, uh -huh. It's it's so bizarre the stuff. You need the and conversation. Somehow they. Uh, I, it, it, you, you, when something turns out to be that bizarre, and you think, <laughs> you know, movies do go through stages. There, there are points where people have to read them, and then they have to, you know, finance them, and they have to cast them. And at some point, somebody has to sit down and actually think, what is it we're doing here? And, <laughs> and to, to do that to that story, which in its own way is quite brilliant, is well, so brilliant. uncommercial. It's fairly safe. Yes. <laughs> no, it's, well, it's, I mean, if you're not going to look at it as a kid's movie, it's a great which is film. definitely how it was marketed, uh, it, it can be considered, I think, a, a really excellent, really interesting. Oddly enough, I feel this, and you guys may not make this parallel, but to me, Return to Oz and Zack Snyder's Sucker Punch are very similar movies. Okay, <laughs> okay. so hear me out. Uh, so if you, I don't know how well you remember Return to Oz, but Return to Oz basically many times. begins. Okay, it begins about it's a little it's Dorothy Gale, it's Dorothy, yeah, uh, who's having some issues since she's getting she came electroshock. Back from Oz. Yes. She's getting electric shock. <laughs> That's the opening of the movie. And Auntie M drops her off at an institution to get electric shock. And she basically, it's clear, she goes into her own mind to escape torture and then ends up back in Oz with weird people with, with wheels on their hands. Yeah, the wheels. And, uh, from the books. Well, from the books. The wheelers. And then the queen who cuts off people's heads so she can replace her own head and she keeps them all in a case. Yep. It's, it's very faithful to the books. Yeah, yeah, very, very faithful to the books. Well, More so than the famous film. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's not for kids. No. It should never. No, don't, don't even. Again, if I was to try to, if I was to show that to my children, in fact, 
again, that's how I remember ended up remembering it was I tried to, I think we showed the beginning of it to my daughters and I would think the beginning would be enough. Yeah. And, you know, we well, ought to put on the old one. <laughs> yeah. But what I, what, I, what I love, and I keep coming back to this, is that at the time that movie was made, you could make that as a kid's movie. Yeah. You know, you could market that as a kid's well, movie. Well, there was also a, a period of great upheaval at Disney, and they didn't know what they were going to do. They, yeah. they, they, they mm -hmm. were doing, they were already branching out to do strange things that they really weren't equipped to do. And so they let him have his head because he was Walter Murch. And uh, I guess they just sort of had to shake their heads after they saw the movie and said, well, what have we done? You know? It's just bonkers. It's like that. What was the Dr. Seuss movie, Josh, we saw a long time ago? Oh, uh, Dr. T. Or, yeah, yeah oh, 5,000 Fingers. 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T. Dr. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's kind of like that. You think you're going to be watching a Dr. Seuss movie because he wrote it, I believe. Yeah. And the, the art direction was all based on his stuff. And then you watch this thing, you're like, what the fuck? What is this? I have, you know, it's just insane. But I sort of, I appreciate it. Okay, so, so here's I, the thing, Mitch. Yes. You have no choice. You have no say in the matter. I am coming over tonight and I'm making your daughters watch one movie. Is it Return to Oz mm -hmm. or Conqueror Worm? Oh, well, they wouldn't make it through Conqueror Worm. <laughs> See, that's what they I'm saying. They wouldn't make it's it through like, the first hour. Yeah, the uh, first five minutes, exactly. No, exactly. I mean, it, it's... it's I show them the sequel, I, The I, Wizard of Oz. It's a little, it's a little rough. But... I went back and watched a bunch of these movies. Conqueror Worm was one of the ones I, I, I watched, um, and yeah, it's pretty dull. Uh, I, right. I, I don't, and again, I don't know how, I don't know why it stuck in my head. I think it's simply because of that dude Seymour that I had met, and I, and I remember having, and for years I had this poster signed by him of the Conqueror Worm, um, and then when we were doing Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. We did a version of Vincent Price on that show, which was taken from another version of him called Vincent Van Gogh. And we did a series of animated parodies of all those movies. I think we did Witchfinder General. We did, we did several of them um, all in there with the great Maurice LaMarche uh, doing uh, Vincent Price. And, uh, and they were a blast to do. They were so much fun because he's so odd, Vincent Price. You know, you forget sometimes that he was yeah. a leading man. Yeah. Because yeah. he's just his voice and the way he carries himself and everything. It's like this, this is weird, sweet pomposity about him, I guess is the way I would describe it. It's like he's, he's like a Royal Shakespearean actor, but not, you know, because he's got an English, you know, he's English, but he's got a sort of vague, sort of voice on him. How? Oh, I don't know. I, uh, I, I, I like anything with Vincent Price. Oh, yeah. But there you go. So, so yeah, that's my, my, so Oz. Terrible, don't go. I mean, another one. Great movie. Like, I'm just, ram I'm just rambling. It's Look, I'm not saying it's a bad it's movie. It's not for the kids. This, the, it's not for the kids. It's not for the kids. Um, you know, it's just like I would say, I love the movie Willy Wonka. I love everything about the movie Willy Wonka. But that boat scene where they're going through and, you know, all the shit, the crazy shit is flashing up. The chicken getting its head caught. Yeah. Message, yeah. It's I can just, attest uh, that having just shown that movie to a couple of, I believe, five-year-olds, um, yeah. that, is, that is the one scene that's very hard for kids to take. Yeah. Yeah. Although if you watch the new version of it with Johnny Depp, I would say, unlike the original, which is pretty much good for kids except for that one scene, the new one is Johnny Depp's character is with the weird little old Fauntleroy or page boy haircut and his bizarre ass teeth. It's just terrifying from, from the get-go. I, yeah, I think that to me is more scarring. Watching Johnny Depp. Never, in that never saw it. Uh, don't don't rush. Out. Don't rush. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not as fun as work. But um, 
let's see what else what else do i got on the list here uh i mean there's some of these that are <clears throat> fairly obvious but another one movie you i doubt you guys have discussed bugsy malone you remember bugsy malone oh, hasn't never, come up right? never has, has not it's ever come up in the show bugsy malone another is that another again you're dealing with what kid gangsters who run around shooting each other with guns that fire uh cupcakes and cakes and other things like that and i again it it, it led to it led to bad things happening with me and my friends because you know you run out wanting to emulate this stuff and next thing you know you're in a rock fight because you don't obviously you don't, you don't have, have that many cupcakes around yeah exactly you don't have easy <laughs> access to, to dozens of cupcakes but rocks you're not gonna on the other hand either. yeah you are gonna have so um i throw that one in there as a gift because it's not it's I, i'd say that that was that's about i right. when's the last i i only saw when it came out and i i guess i've just had a sort of lifelong with one or two exceptions maybe antipathy towards alan parker films and uh, I do sort of recall enjoying that one. Well, I would, I would have to say that that's the one that I would find most difficult to watch again. Really? <laughs> because yes, it's really boring. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's not. It's not great. What is it? It's Scott Bayo and Jodie Foster. Yeah. Jodie Foster yeah. in that one yeah. too? Yeah. Yeah. It's just not what. Um, all right. So here's another one, in my opinion, that I think is kind of a screwy one. And if there's some weird things in it, and I definitely remember them messing me up. I think I was a little older when I saw it, which was. Tom Hanks is big, you know, there's, if you're a kid and watching big, first off, there is not a time. And I was recently in big bear and they had one of those Zoltan machines to this day. My daughter got all excited by it. I said, stay the fuck away from it. Don't, don't go near it because I, the last time I saw that, you know, you just don't know. And it's, it, it, they're very, they're super creepy and they, they ruined that movie ruined those things for me forever. But what I found more creepy there was two things in that one and i remember one of them really messed me up which is the fact that when he became an adult they took him away from his parents mm -hmm. and that was really jarring to me as a kid that he couldn't go back and be with his parents because they didn't know who he was anymore. and if you're i think for little kids or even middle you know even you know kids of you know 10 11 years old if you suddenly say yeah we're going to let you be big but we're going to take away your parents and you're not going to get to see them again that's really That'll mess, that mess you up. Isn't that, that, isn't that sort of life in a nutshell, though? Yeah. <laughs> it is. But, you know, not when you're 10 or 11. I mean, I agree with you. That is, you know, and, and maybe it, it would be better that way. Maybe Tom Hanks had something that, you know, take a child away from his parents when they're younger. Like, it's like that book Ender's Game. Take them away, you know. Um, but, uh, or, or back, again, back to uh, uh, Return to Oz. But, that I remember scaring the crap out of me. And then I also remember feeling really weird when, mm -hmm. I forget the actress's name. Elizabeth Perkins. Elizabeth Perkins, who I thought was so hot yes. at the time. Yes. Making out with Tom Hanks, knowing. They don't, they don't make out, they do. man. They, they, they do. That's my memory go, of it. They go all the way. Oh, that's, oh. I mean, they have, they it's have not on, memory. it's obviously not on camera, yeah. Oh, I only remember them making out. So they're right there. So, yeah. so pedophilia, okay, yeah. which, uh, you know. It's rather a dark way of looking at it. <laughs> no, ima imagine, imagine if it had been about a young girl all of a sudden in a woman's body. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's. Fucking yeah. forget it. Are you fucking kidding me? No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's, but I, I definitely remember as a kid thinking that was really strange. And now I remember. It, my, it, I it is strange, time, yes. And I remember it as just kissing. I forgot that they slept together. 
So that's even stranger. I, you know? Am I wrong, Joe, or did I do some weird thing in my mind that I should not admit to? I feel like it does the old I think you were thinking back about Peter Boyle in that bathtub. Oh, yeah. Well, maybe. <clears throat> maybe it's I did. It's an underlying theme of this entire episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, very, very Republican, actually. It's, and it's, it's interest <laughs> in uh, sex with children. <laughs> yeah. I feel like they do the fade out and you come ah. back, and the implication is that... Uh, I don't know. I, no, I'm I sure think, 30, 30 listeners will let me know. I, I actually think you're right. I, I think you're right. And I just I just sort of blocked again, I blocked it out. Um, but I do remember at the time watching that and thinking, that's not right. She's too old. She shouldn't be doing that with him. He's a kid. And um and one thing I don't remember is does she um does she know? No. Oh god, no, no, okay. if she knew it, it would make it even worse. It, it would have been way <laughs> yeah. worse. But no, she didn't. She didn't. Yep, here it is. Oh, thank God. I'm, I was, uh, yeah. Um, big star Elizabeth Perkins says implied sex scene in the movie wouldn't be made today. No, no way. So yeah, they did. They did. Okay. It's it's not just me. It's not just yeah, me. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is. The, the the things they were able to get away with in movies, you know, even geared towards kids in the 80s and sort of in the 90s too, I think. You can't. It's It's just. The whitewash that the way the whitewashing, the way things are done now is, you know, they're just children are Fabergé eggs that must be kept in a glass case and never taken out until they're 18. And then you kick them out of the house and they suddenly realize, oh, shit, the world's a horrible place. <laughs> and they all have nervous breakdowns, which is exactly, by the way, what you're kind of seeing now with, uh, with some of the current generations that they're getting out and they're going, oh, my God, you guys are so mean. Um, <laughs> but trust me, I'm working. To work with someone. Um, but uh, it is a weird, it is, and I find myself struggling with it too, especially with my wife who, who airs more on that side of things. They're just so soft. You know, they're, everybody, they're just, there's this weird thing. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's that way in Europe, but it definitely is that way in the States that they're just, there's this thing, you've got to protect the children at all costs. They must be kept mm. from harm. They must be protected. They must not be shown anything dark or ugly. Anything with a sharp edge needs to be, you know, machined off, you know. And so I always feel it's sort of my duty to figure out ways around it. Um, and it's part Do you of want to be on the record saying that? Oh, come on. I mean, that's, that's, that's the whole thing behind the book banning that's going on, you know, all over yeah. the place. You know, don't, yeah, sure. don't yeah, let like them know. Yeah, don't, don't just don't let them know. Keep them and, dumb and then they'll all vote Republican, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, oh God, I was just going to say something, but um, yeah, one. I mean, uh, going back to my Monty Python obsession, one of the things that we I, I found a guy who does he specializes in stop motion and specifically cut and paste animation, which you don't. You know, people think that South Park is done that way, and it's not. It was in the beginning. It's not done now. It's all done on computers. But we found this guy who his name's Sam Kojihale. He's brilliant, um, and he's a stop motion guy. But we, we've been able to put in a lot of things, uh, a lot of satirical things, a lot of bloody things and stuff, because we do it with cut and paste. And for some reason, that is far more palatable than traditional animation to the studio execs. I'm not quite sure why that is. But, um, you know, not, not that we're going crazy. I mean, there's nothing on it that you're going to go, oh, my God, Jesus Christ. But, you know, we do have monsters and stuff like that, very Python-esque kind of things that we've, that we've thrown in there. But... I, I do I do hope it swings back because you know in the in the 20 or so odd years that I've been working in animation um, 
it has really, it's really gone like, you know, in terms of what you can and can't do. Um, in the 90s, they were, they were able to do quite a lot of things, you know, uh, you know, the early Doug and some of these other shows yeah. that were back there that, that, that a lot of kids grew up on, myself included, but you can't do any of that stuff anymore. It's so tame. It's so tame. Everything is so soft and, you know, and it is this weird attitude of you got to, you know, there used to be a, there used to be an attitude in animation that you would play at the height of your, you know, the height of your intellect. So if you were doing a show geared towards, you know, 10, 11, 12 year old kids, you wanted to write material that was going to be feeling up here and the kids were aspirational as they get there. But now it's just, now they really want you not to. Like if you throw a word in that they don't, that they think well, that's, that's too big a word. A child isn't going to understand that. And I'm like, look, I grew up watching Looney Tunes cartoons. There was tons of stuff in those things I didn't understand. And if I oh, really yeah. wanted to know, I would ask my parents and then they would tell me. But why do we hold this stuff back? Why do we keep these kids sort of ignorant to these things and to, to you know, legitimate things um, when we're just, we're not preparing them for a real world? Satire falls into that category. You know, I, I'm so, you know, I know McKay went through a lot of crap for his movie because I think half the world got it and half the world didn't. Because I just don't think people understand satire. It's one of the last, you know, but it's one of the things you can still do in animation that you can get away with because yeah. people will buy it in animation with where it's live action satires. You're just working. It's a totally different bar for some reason. Um, and uh, I've had, again, I think like if you look at the Lego movie, Lego movies a satire on you know consumerism and corporations and stuff like that but it doesn't but you don't think it is and a kid's going to go watch that movie and not think that but if an adult watches it he's actually paying attention you realize exactly what this movie is and i think a lot of the best animated movies and tv shows do that but it's called they being have to subversive do it. yeah they have <laughs> they have to do it under the uh, under the cover of night although there's one that i always feel like it's it's incumbent to to point this one out um i mean i'm with you 100 percent. and yeah there were so many things you wanted to find out about from watching those cartoons but then they're the ones the one that always makes me crazy because once i found out what it meant i couldn't believe everybody on the planet of a certain age thinks the word nimrod means imbecile or moron because yeah or bugs bunny following uh elmer fudd going look at that nimrod nimrod means hunter mm -hmm. it's a but just what is it just because of the context of the everything, you know, Nimrod, it just, it sounds more like a, a pejorative, but he's just saying, look at that hunter. Yeah. And we all walked out of it like it became the great insult. Nimrod means hunter. Anyways. Yes. So we like to, we like to teach. Yeah, our that up. That's right. I just, it's just, did you know that Joe that I just showed? No, no, I, I was aware of it, but uh, uh, Mr. Olson. Cause you've worked, <laughs> you've worked with Mr. But I know you've worked with Mr. Bunny. So Mr. I thought, Bunny ad libs. Uh, uh so there you go boys i think that is my um it's a pretty educational um rant but, <laughs> that was a good one good. Uh, if you have kids here are 10 movies not to show them yeah. from uh, a guy who makes a uh, great i do i mean I, look, I, I, was, <laughs> I had the exorcist on my list too obviously not a kid's movie but god did that movie mess me up as a child well yeah it's a, it, it, yes of course me. it did yes it did. not catholic by any chance i'm not yeah, i mean no. They boxing with muhammad with ali would have been a bad <laughs> idea too it's, uh... yeah it's just i don't know it's again it's because don't forget in the 80s you know a videotape i mean i remember i rented um faces of death that was always a big one that you got for a sleepover i spit on your grave you know all those and those 
childhood yes, they class. Last House childhood on the Left. Movie. Last House on the Left. They weren't kid movies, but those were the movies that me and my friends all wanted to see. And so that's what we watched when we were like, you know, 12. And, it's, and like it that. seems to have not hurt you too much. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think a few people would You're gainfully employ. And now, and now he's pumping employed. this stuff straight into the heads of your children. <laughs> no, that's, you know, we, uh, you know, we've been in this, we're in negotiations right now, you know, obviously for, uh, with the, uh, the animation guild and writers and blah, blah, blah. But, um, and, uh, and I had a discussion with somebody about it because they were saying, well, why should, you know, isn't it different? And blah, blah, blah. And I had to say to them, I go, look, if you look back at your childhood memories, some of the things that you remember the most that influenced you the most were cartoons and things you guys, you know, things you guys, you know, saw as a kid. So why would you want to shortchange the people who were making that stuff? Why, why make us animators angry? Why would you do that? <laughs> you have any idea what we can slip into your child that you're not paying attention to? Uh, we don't do that. And I'm not saying we do do that. Uh, it's very, trust me, it's heavily, everybody thinks that, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. These, these deviants are just throwing things into these cartoons. These things are scrutinized to the nth degree. You can't, it's, it's virtually impossible to get something, you know, offensive or, you know, horrible. Or you hear that, Joe? He just said it's possible. Yeah. That's what they yeah. said about the commies in the 50s, you know? Yeah. He said it's actually, but basically it's virtually impossible. But you That's can, not the same thing as You impossible. can do satire and get away with it. I mean, when we were on, when we did Julian, we did an entire episode about building a wall. We did an That's entire right. episode on cancel culture. We did, we did an entire episode on getting a country completely obsessed with buying things on credit. Um, you know, a whole bunch of stuff that is definitely not what would be considered kid-friendly, but it was done through, you know, with a bunch of little animal characters. So, you know, we got away with it. Mm. So, and we've, we're doing the, you know, we're doing a lot of Big Nate as well. First, everything I've done. But, I mean, Mystery Incorporated, when we did it, went heavily into, you know, I mean, we had... We had a uh, what you would call it um, a Fitzcarraldo reference in in that in that show. You know, we literally had an episode where we were pushing a boat up a mountain. We had um, you know all kinds of stuff like that. So it's it's, a- it's I can yeah definitely those are worth going back and looking up if you have not seen the that that iteration of Scooby Doo because they were just delightful again and they hated it by the way Cartoon Network absolutely hated it. <laughs> but the show was popular the show the just popular. became ridiculously popular but after the fact because Cartoon Network at the time just was like why aren't they eating a lot and falling and you're like well we don't want to do that you know you've uh, done that anyways. So well, Mitch, thanks, Mitch. Guys, great to meet you. Thank you, thank you so much, much for joining us. Great, great, great bunch of movies. Cool. I appreciate and, it. Uh, big fan. Another very season nice, of Big Nate. Very nice to meet you, uh, uh, Mr. Joe Dante. I cannot tell you the influence. Don't tell me. I won't. <laughs> I won't. Hate it. Our show was recorded from several well-stocked bunkers. We can't wait to get back to beautiful downtown Burbank. We're the official podcast of TrailersFromHell.com, the best damn movie website there is. Our engineer is the composer Don Barrett, who also transmogrified, produced, and created our theme song. This is Josh Olson for the movies that made me. Stay safe out there, folks. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. 
I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.